Go Beyond. You'll see some of us are wearing those t-shirts, and we put a bulletin insert in your bulletin. You can take that out. And uh, this is a special week for Lancaster County. And uh, you know, a lot of times the world knows what we're against, but do they really know what we're for? The Bible says you will know them by their what? By their love. Also talks about our good works. This is a week of serving our community. This is the churches. There's over 30 churches and organizations right now who are participating with this Go Beyond. Uh, to go into our community throughout Lancaster County, out Lancaster County and serve our community. And so we're part of that, orga- we're part of that huge organization uh, that's going to be doing that. Um, And we want you to get involved, and we're going to give you some opportunities to get involved, and maybe even through your small groups, your small group could come up with something that you could do during that week of service. And I'm going to give you an idea, if you'll look there, uh, one of the goals this year is to pack 100,000 meals for the hungry, and these will be especially going to countries that are fighting Ebola. And uh, it's really neat, the Clipper, the Barnstormers, uh, have gotten behind this and are giving us the stadium for four different times to pack food. You'll see it there on Wednesday, May 13th, and and, and 1 to 3, and then 6.30 to 8.30, and then again on Thursday. That May 13th happens to be a, is it a life group night? It's not a life group night. This is a good opportunity for your life group to go and do something, though, on a night that you don't have life group. And uh, we are working with GAIN. GAIN is Global Aid Network, and uh, they're a great organization who, right here from Mount Joy, who gives food for people all around the world, and they're going to be providing the food for this, and uh, every box costs about 25 cents to pack, and so you might even think of what you could do to help that. And so those are going to be some things. Along with the meal packing and uh, the barnstormers, the week, they have games all that week. They are going to be putting up on their uh, big board how you can pledge, those who attend the games, how they can pledge and give to go beyond to help us with this food to feed people. But we're also looking for ways that we can minister here in Elizabethtown. One of the things we're going to do as a church to minister to our police departments. Uh, We have two police departments that uh, are in this area. Is We're going to give the police meals up at Country Meadows that week. They can just come in and eat on us uh, just to let them know how much we appreciate them. But we're asking, what can we do? What, what are ways even to minister to your neighbors? And you'll see there the goal is 20,000 hours of community service through all the churches here in Lancaster County. And certainly in serving, we're looking for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This will culminate on that Sunday uh, again, the Barnstormers gave the Go Beyond organization the stadium for that Sunday morning. Uh, the Go Beyond organization is bringing in Vertical Band uh, from out in Chicago. Um, and Rob, Robbie Robertson, who played for the Yankees, will be there that day. Richardson, sorry. Bobby Richardson. And his son is Robbie Richardson, will be there preaching. Um, Rob. They'll be sharing their testimonies and uh, 
how when he played for the New York Yankees, he had the opportunities to speak into the life of Mickey Mantle. And the week that Mickey Mantle died, he went to his bedside and led him to Christ. And he'll be sharing it. But the whole purpose of that Sunday morning is just not for Christians to go to the stadium. It is for Christians to bring lost people and to hear Robbie Robertson share a clear presentation of the gospel. That'll be how, I keep saying Robertson, Richardson, I'm sorry, Robbie Richardson, how he give a clear presentation of the gospel, and we're looking for souls to be saved that week. So as people are out serving in the community, going to be inviting people to come to that service at the stadium where the gospel will be given. So if you have a birthday in April, stand up. If you have a birthday in April. Okay, girls, you girls are going to help me. You girls are going to go, and everybody who has a birthday in April, you're going to give these out to them, because they're going to help us promote. So go ahead, and we're going to, we're going to do this this morning. Um, I'll give you a couple t-shirts to give away here, Pastor John. So here, yeah, here for your birthday over there. So you can wear those shirts next time you come. Everybody get something? Want to make sure everybody got something. There will be some information on the back table if you want to pick up one of the Go Beyond brochures, um, steps to getting started with Go Beyond. They'll be on the back table. But look for, start to pray and say, God, how can I serve that week? What can I do that week? And uh, to go out into my community, maybe it's just your neighbor, maybe it's your neighbor next door, maybe you can cut their lawn, maybe you can help them do something, but look for ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that week. So May 10th through the 17th, we'll be telling you more about it, but we want to introduce it today, Go Beyond. We want the world not just to know us for what we're against, but how about the world knowing us for what we're for, okay? I want to ask you this morning to be praying for Katie and Jared. Katie's grandfather passed away the other day, and uh, they made the trip out there. Jared will have a little bit of the funeral, be sharing some scripture at the funeral. So uh, we want to pray for them and for just opportunities for them to minister to their family. So let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to open your word and to sing praises to you this morning. Father, we are so thankful, Father, for your love for us. Lord, this morning we want to especially think of Jared and Katie and Katie's family. May you minister grace to them during this time of the passing of her grandfather. I pray as the services take place that you'll give the pastor there and others, including Jared, who will be sharing, uh, Lord, in the service that you might minister through them. And Lord, even as, uh, Lord, the message goes forth that maybe someone would come to know Christ. Father, give Katie and her dear family grace during this time. We pray for Dr. Sheard as he is out ministering today, that you might give him grace and use him also as he ministers today, Father. Thank you again. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, open your Bibles back to the book of Romans. We have been on a journey through Romans, and we took a little detour for a little bit for our marriage series. And uh, 
then for Easter, and then for our missions conference. And so today, we will be back in the book of Romans once again. And uh, so we wanted to review real quick, just to bring you back to where we've been. And uh, as we went through the book of Romans, we started back in, of course, Romans 1, and we looked at Paul's greeting. And Paul, in greeting the church at Rome, said several things. First, he said, he is a bond servant of God. He saw himself as a servant. He was called to be an apostle. He talks about that. And then he was separated to the gospel. And so those are the things that he sort of opened the book up and greeted the people in Rome. And then we find in chapter 1 the theme of the book. And I want to read those verses to you. Pastor John preached on those verses for us. And uh, verse 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The book of Romans really is about the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is a person. That person is Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ loved you and me so much that he left heaven, he came here to earth, he lived, he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried and rose again the third day, having victory over sin and death. That's basically what Paul said, this book is based on the gospel. Then he wanted for us to see the need for the gospel, so he talked about condemnation. In chapter 1, verses 18, through chapter 3, verse 20, he talks about the wrath of God that's revealed upon men. And he talked about man is condemned, man is lost, all the world is guilty before God. And he really broke that down into four. He said, first of all, the heathen is condemned. The heathen is condemned. And then we learned that the moralist is condemned. The person who lives a pretty moral life, does pretty well, maybe even does things for other people, he is still condemned. And then the religious person, and he particularly pointed out the Jews there, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he talked about the religious person who is condemned. That person who, again, is very religious, they could pray, they could go to church, but if they don't have a personal relationship with Christ, they are condemned. And then the last was the world is condemned. The world is condemned. It says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. He said, for everyone, everyone, for the world. And then he started to talk about salvation in chapter 3 through 21, all the way through chapter 8, which we won't get to until next fall. The righteousness of God revealed. And we began to talk about this word justification. Justification. And uh, Pastor John gave us a great definition to justification that first week he preached on it, and then we just kept giving that to you. Justification is a divine degree of God deciding to forgive our sins and to declare us righteous. 
Let me read it to you one more time. Justification is the divine decree of God deciding to forgive our sins and to declare us righteousness. When we talked a lot about justification, we went back and we looked at the Old Testament saints and how they were justified by faith. And then in the last message, just before we ended, and to go on to our marriage series in February, the last message, Pastor John talked about the results of justification, what it provides for us. And he mentioned four things. It provides peace with God. It provides access to God. It provides hope of glory and provides a proper perspective for us as Christians. That proper perspective was simply this. We can embrace suffering. We're going to suffer in this world. And uh, we can experience love. And then last week can experience joy. So that's sort of where we ended. That's a quick sort of where we've come from on our journey thus far. And so today we pick it back up in Romans chapter 5 and uh, with just a couple of verses today. And so if you have your Bibles, look there in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, 13, and 14 this morning. Romans 12, 13, and 14. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Three short verses, but three verses that have a tremendous impact. And uh, as we read through those, we could call this the career of the first Adam. Today we're going to look at the first Adam. Next week, in the next two weeks, Pastor John will be looking at the second Adam, which is Christ. We could call this and uh, this message, How Paradise Was Lost, and that's sort of the title that I have for it. Or we could call it also, Why Justification is Needed. Paul's been hammering away about the last chapter and a half on justification. And so he again wants to come back and he wants to remind us, why do we need to be justified? Why is it so important that we be justified? And so he's going to hammer away at this thing of sin once again. Maybe you sit there and you think, wow, it seems like for like a month that's all you and Pastor John talked about was sin. But the reality of it is that's what Paul keeps coming back to. And uh, he doesn't sugarcoat us, coat it for us. He reminds us, again, what we're really like apart from Jesus Christ. And so, again, he's going to do that for us here in these three short verses this morning that we look at in Romans chapter 3. In these verses, Paul tells us how man came to be the way he is. Just for a moment, let's be honest with one another. Think about this. I was thinking about this this week. For every person in this room, there are times when you have desires, impulses in your mind. If you follow them, it would ruin your marriage. It would ruin your career. 
It would ruin your testimony. It would ruin everything about you. And the reality of it is, where do, these, where do those come from? It comes from the beachhead of sin that still is within us. See, at salvation, we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We're a new person. But because we have this flesh, the flesh is like John MacArthur said, it is called the beachhead of sin. Paul's going to introduce to us here the doctrine called original sin. He's going to talk to us, and we've talked about this again, total depravity, that there is nothing good about man whatsoever. There's nothing good about man whatsoever. So here we're going to see, and we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 today and be reminded of paradise that was lost. But let's start this morning by talking about the root of sin. The root of sin. When we think about sin, we could go back to the original sin in the heart of Lucifer in the book of Isaiah, chapters 14 through uh, verses 12 through 16. Well, that we're not going to go there. We're going to look at when sin entered the world. Look at when sin entered the world. So go back with me to Genesis chapter 3 for a few moments, if you would, this morning. Genesis chapter 3. Theologians have entitled Genesis chapter 3, The Fall of Man. We know that God had created man and woman. He placed them in the garden to enjoy it. Basically, they had one command to follow, one thing that they could not do, one tree that they could not enjoy the fruit of. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of your eye, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she gave some to her husband, whom was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Now with that, go back to Romans now, and look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Look at those first words. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through what? One man. The moment Adam sinned, the moment he sinned, the human race fell. And we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But at that moment, the human race fell. You know, when you stop and think about it, there is only one explanation for the 125,000 abortions that take place around the world every day. You know what that explanation is? Simply this, by one man, sin entered the world. There's only one explanation for the 1,300 murders that take place around the world every day. What is it? By one man, sin entered the world. 
How do you explain racial hatred by one man sin entered the world? How do you explain ISIS by one man sin entered the world? How do you explain open warfare in 24 places around the world right now? By what? By one man sin entered the world. How do you explain the hatred, the greed, the violence, the injustice, the fraud, the killing, the wanton bloodshed? Where does it come from? What makes us hate one another? Why can't humans get along? The answer is simply what? By one man, sin entered the world. When you watch your evening news and you watch the things that are going on, You know what the excuse for all those things are? By one man, sin entered the world. All sin and all the results of sin can be traced back to one moment in time and to one man, Adam. All death, all sickness, all of those things are traced back to one man when sin entered the world. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have death. In fact, you will notice there, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and what? Death through sin. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, we would not have death today. But we do. And really, when they sinned, remember what, remember what the serpent said, we just read? He said to Eve, listen, you won't die. You're not going to die if you sin. But the reality of this, there are three types of death that takes place because of sin. When that scripture says, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Let me share with you quickly the three types of death. First of all, spiritual death. This is the natural state of all humanity. As we're born into this world, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 say, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live. When we're born into this world, we are born dead. We are born separated from God. That's the reason. Listen, how can we choose God if we're dead? We're not going to make that choice unless God draws us to him because we are dead in our trespasses and sin. So we are dead spiritually. Before the fall, Adam and Eve had this intimate relationship with God that they enjoyed walking and refreshing with God in the garden. And there was just this intimacy. But all of a sudden they sinned and spiritual death came and that there was a separation between them and God. It's not only spiritual death, but physical death. This is the place all humans come to. We are all temporal. Earthly bodies are someday going to be laid aside. Listen to Hebrews 9, 27. Man is destined to die once, and after that, the judgment. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, not only spiritual death came, but physical death. When someone dies, when someone leaves this body and goes out into eternity, it goes back again to the fall of man. It goes back to Adam. And then there is what's called eternal death. 
This is also known as the second death in the Bible. It refers not only to eternal separation from the presence of God, but also of eternal torment in a lake of fire. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. If anyone's name, and this is Revelation 20, verse 14, if anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. This is talking about eternal death. Let me remind you this morning, as we look at this text, as I was thinking about it this week, it reminded me again, people are born into this world spiritually separated from God. And they will die physical death. And if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they will have a second eternal death where they will be cast into the lake of fire forever. It talks about that in Revelation. It talks about that, how they will be cast one last time into the lake of fire. And the reality is tomorrow, listen, to bring this practical to where we are, the people that you're going to sit with in your offices, the people that you're going to work with tomorrow, the people that you're going to come in contact with, many of those people are on their way to an eternity in hell. And that's why God has given us the job to share the good news of Jesus Christ because of what Adam did in the garden. It's all part of God's eternal plan that before the foundations of the world, God had laid out this plan, and part of that plan is for us to simply sow the seed of the gospel. It's not, it's not for us to worry about the increase. It's not for us to worry about whether people come to Christ. It is simply our job to sow the seed of the gospel. You know what, church? It bothers me that we don't see more people saved here. You know what keeps me up at night? It's not having to watch my grandchildren. You know what keeps me up at night? That we're not seeing people come to Christ. That the baptismal waters aren't being stirred. Everything else really is secondary. It really is, church. It is secondary. We exist. We exist as a church to see people come to Jesus Christ. We exist as a church to see the baptismal water stirred. And we exist as a church then to develop those people into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. And this might make some of you mad. We'll not stand before God and give an account for Mount Calvary Christian School. But we will stand and give an account for people who we're not sharing the gospel with. Because that's why the church exists. Do I believe in Christian education? I sure do. Do I believe that? Am I excited about Mount Calvary Christian School? I sure am. But I'll tell you what excites me the most is when people come to Jesus Christ. That's what really excites me. When we have opportunities to share the gospel and we see people come to Christ. And you know, whether they come to this church or whether they don't, it's just our job to spread the seed. 
Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. And if that doesn't bother you, then you better knees before God and you better beg him to give you a heart for the lost. Really. Let's be bold in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's, as we're out and about, let's share the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. That wasn't, none of that was in my notes, I'm sorry. But it really stirs me when we're not seeing people saved. It does. And so church, think about that. Pray, pray. If you pray for anything, pray that here at Mount Calvary Church, we will see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We'll see the baptismal water stirred. And we will see people growing. We'll see those people growing in the relationship with God. In order to make sense of this, look at those last words. In that first verse, because all sin, because all sin, it might be good to add two words that to even make sense of it, because all sinned in Adam. See, the verse is pushing you and me back to the Garden of Eden. That verse, it's telling us, listen, That moment Adam ate forbidden fruit in some mysterious way. You were there. I was there. In some strange way, when Adam sinned, you sinned with him. It's not that we sin today. It's that we sinned in Adam. Every person in this room, ancestor, is Adam. And we have sinned in him. This doctrine of the original sin is the, in its plainest form. It means that when Adam sinned, you sinned. When Adam disobeyed, you disobeyed. When Adam fell, you fell. He's part of our family tree, and we suffer the consequences for his sin. You may say, you know, how can that be? That doesn't really sound too fair. And in our Western individualism, I don't know if it's, I think it's hard for us to understand this. See, how can I fall when Adam fell? Theologians have a term for this principle. They call Adam the federal head, the federal head of the human race. That probably doesn't help much either, does it? The federal head. It's it's a covenantal word. It's a person who through a covenantal relationship stands for someone else. Adam represented us. When he was created, he stood as a divinely appointed representative of the whole human race. What happened to him happened to all of us because in God's eyes, he was appointed to act in your place and my place. He was our representative. I like what Tim Keller says in his book on Romans. He said, Adam was perfectly designed to act exactly as you would. Let me say it again. Adam was perfectly designed to act exactly as you would. If you're sitting there this morning and say, well, I think I got a bum rap. I think I could have done a better job than Adam did. 
No, listen, we all would have done the same thing because God had chosen Adam. He was perfectly designed to act exactly as what? Every one of us here would have. Say it another way, Adam was the driver of the bus of humanity. When he drove the bus over the cliff, we went down with him. He was at the controls of the human airplane, and when it went down, we went with him. It's a great illustration, maybe, of this that would help us understand. How many of you have heard of Arthur Ashe? Okay, good. Great African-American tennis player. And uh, Arthur Ashe had a heart problem and had to have surgery. And in that surgery, he was giving blood. Back at that time, back in the 90s, there wasn't all the things in place that there is today uh, to watch over that. And he got some blood that had HIV. It had not been screened properly. And uh, about five years later, Arthur Ashe was found to have HIV because of that blood transfusion that he was given during his heart surgery. See, he was poisoned. And the reality of it, it's the same for every one of us. Back in the uh, Garden of Eden, Adam, when he fell, he tainted the human bloodstream with a virus called sin. And now everyone who is born into the human race has that same virus called sin. He tainted the human bloodstream of humanity. And because of it, we will eventually die. We're all sinners. I think it's interesting that even the government comes to realize. Listen to what the Minnesota Crime Commission wrote and their laws about children. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He's completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch. Um, deny him this, these wants and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, are born delinquent. If per, uh, permitted to continue the self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulse actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. I think they got it pretty good, didn't they? That is a government-written document in the state of Minnesota, what children are like when they're born. Why is that? Because they're born with a different nature. See, it's to say it another way, we're not evil because we do evil. You do evil because you what? Because people are evil. That's what the Scripture is trying to tell us here. Say it another way, there's no sin that we would not commit left to ourselves. And the circumstances were right. Murder, adultery, 
If we can dream it, we can do it. Theft, lying, extortion, kidnapping, child abuse, everything is possible for humans. Why? Because of one man, sin entered into the world. It started with Adam, but it didn't end there. It continues today. And sin is rampant. Just watch your news, read your newspaper. This is what this scripture is telling us. And it says, listen, for by the law was given sin was in the world. Even before the law, there was death. Even before the law came, sin was ruling and reigning. So why did uh, God eventually through Moses give us the law to really show us what man is really like? He's saying, listen, before the law, death was reigning, and so he gave us the law, and we couldn't keep the law, and so death still continued to reign, and that's what he's telling us in these verses. And then we get to the end of this, and I want you to look at this last frame, this last little phrase, who was a pattern of the one to come? It says, By breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of one to come. You know, death is certain, isn't it? It is. How certain is it? It's so certain that there is an entire industry built on death. You know what it's called? A lot of you have it out here. Life insurance. Why do you have life insurance? You didn't buy life insurance because you're live forever. You bought life insurance what? Because you're going to die. The whole thing of life insurance, it's, it's built on this principle of death. So that when you die, you can cover your funeral expenses. So when you die, you can have something maybe to leave for your family. Life insurance is built on the great theological truth that death reigns. You know, when, the di- when you die, the coroner, the coroner is going to write on your death certificate a reason of why you died. On both of my parents' death certificates, it talks about cancer as the cause of death. But really, the real cause of death is not cancer. The real cause of death is what? sin. See, on everybody's death certificate, you could write the word sin. That's the reason. It's not sickness, not cancer, not an accident, not old age. Those are merely the symptoms of one great cause of death, and that cause is what? Sin. That's what this scripture is trying to tell us this morning. And what's the remedy? What's the remedy? The remedy is mentioned right there. Who was a pattern of the one to come? See, he's talking about Adam. This morning we've talked about the first Adam. And he said, Adam is a pattern of the one who is to come. In the next two weeks, Pastor John is going to be talking to you about the second Adam. He's going to be talking to you about Christ who came into this world to die. Christ is the remedy. Look at that verse there, Colossians 2.14. It says, By canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands, 
This is that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Talks about he stood against our sin. He took our sin and he nailed him to the cross. That's the second Adam. See, the first Adam represented the human race. He was the head of the human race. And so we needed a second Adam who was going to come and again represent the human race. But not by sin, but by life. And in the next two weeks, you're going to see that because that's what this text really goes on to deal with. Who was a pattern of things to come? Adam was simply a pattern of the second Adam who would come to represent again the whole human race redemption. That last statement, think about it. The God of the universe is looking at us and saying, I have no record of your doing wrong. That's what Colossians 2.14 says. You know, when I think about sin, and I think about the sin of everyone who's ever lived, but then I bring it down to myself, and I begin to look at the sin of my 58 years that I've existed here on earth, it is too numerable to even begin to count. And yet God, it says, canceled those charges. And a legal action at the cross, he wiped away all of my sin. And you know what, Christians, this morning, we ought to sit here so excited that in one man, centered of the world, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned, but in one sweep move, Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, the gospel, the good news, took all of that sin of who would trust him and wiped it all away. That ought to do something for you. That ought to excite you as a Christian. And so the whole message comes down to the question, this, what have you done with Jesus Christ? What have you done? Have you made him your personal savior? If you sit here this morning, all of us are going to have to face physical death and eternal separation from God. We've all gone through spiritual death because we were born into this world we're all going to face the second death or the the physical death but the question is will you face second death if you don't know jesus christ as your savior the bible says you will face second death and eternal separation in hell forever the worst thing that could ever happen to you is the second death And so if you're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to make sure of that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. The federal headship, Adam, represented us all in the garden. And because of that, sin entered into the world. And because of that, we were born into this world spiritually dead. If we continue in that way... We will die, and we will face the second death. 
If you're here this morning and you'd say, Dick, if I die today, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to know, would you pray for me? Is there anyone this morning who would just slip up their hand, slip it back down, said, pray for me? I'm not 100% sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I'm going to take it that we are all Christians. And the question is this, if we are Christians, wouldn't it be great if, man, the moment we got saved, that God just didn't take us to heaven? But he didn't do that, did he? He left us here. He left us here, not to live for ourselves. He left us here to live for others. He left us here to share his story. He left us here to share with others the story of the gospel. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Are you cognizant as you go to work, as you go out and about, that people are dying and going to hell? Does that cross your mind? If not, then I'm going to encourage you this week to pray and say, God, give me a heart for the lost. Give me a heart for the lost. My dad reminded me, and I'll close with this. My dad reminded me after my first winning wrestling match in high school. I remember him getting in the car, and we hugged, and I got in the car, and he said, Dick, he said, I am so proud of you. But he said, I want to remind you of one thing. He said, do you know why you're on the wrestling team? I said, well, yeah, Dad, I know to wrestle and to win. He said, no, you're on the wrestling team because that's your mission field, and that's where God wants you to be these next couple years in high school. And then he said this to me, so what are you going to do with it? Through the grace of God, by the time I graduated, eight of the 12 wrestlers knew Jesus Christ. We were praying before every match, and we were giving devotions in our practices because my dad reminded me that I was on the wrestling team for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you work where you work. That's why you live where you live. Because all around us, people are dying and going to hell. Father, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Father, whether it's here in E-Town, whether it's in where we're out and about, or whether it's around the world, the whole reason we send missionaries, Lord, is so, Lord, we can around the world be reaching people with the gospel of Christ. Lord, but it starts right here where we are. The mission field starts where we live, where we work, with those that we associate with. So, Father, my heart's prayer this morning is you would give Mount Calvary Church, our church family, a heart for the lost. That, Lord, everything else would pale to that. 
because nothing else really matters in the light of eternity. It really matters only who is going to heaven with us. Everything else is sort of secondary, Lord. I pray that we would send out from Mount Calvary Christian School young people with a heart for the gospel, and I know that's Dr. Sheard's desire, a heart whether it's a secular position or a position in full-time ministry to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Or may the, at the end of 2015, our church be able to look back and be able to have numbers of people who have come to know Jesus Christ through the people who sit here this morning. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you again for being here this morning. Go this week thinking, God, you've put me where you've put me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because people face an eternal damnation in hell. And we have the great news. We have the good news, the exciting news that there is a way to escape that. Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have a great week.